Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking in Stations. I'm your host, Rain, and I'm joined again by Artemis, our engineer. Today, we have two guests with us. The one you see on camera is Dominic. Do you want to say hi, Dominic? Hello, all. And the one we have off camera is Shen. Can you say hello, Shen? Hello. So they have joined us today. We plan on talking about the war in the South for at least a little bit. Probably we're going to kick it off first, though, with some of the player news that we've had throughout the week. Um, we didn't have a show yesterday, scheduling conflicts, so instead we're doing the show today. So we still got to catch up on all of the news from the week. The first one we have is this one, Space Detroit. Yeah. So we have Space Detroit. So that was the Freeport running out in Tama. I don't know if Dominark or Shen, you have ever used it, but it was actually blown up by Snuffed Out. So I, Wow. Yeah, they actually, so a lot of people, this was actually a free port, so people were able to use it. The big thing that it was used for was actually, I believe it was because it's a Sotillo, so more of the um, industry. That's the word I was looking for. I was just thinking jobs. So the industry jobs was pretty much the big one. The other thing that would have been important that you may not actually see are because it's in Tama, is the actual pods. So like implants, clones, whatever people are using that they weren't able to do elsewhere could actually have been there. And I don't think they ever show up on the kill board. I'm not sure if the destroyers actually get to see like, hey, here's how many pods were killed or whatever. You I don't do believe so. get an no. Eve mail if like you pull it manually. Like if you pull the service down. Then oh, you'll get an yeah, email saying, get. like, hey, here's how many. But if you destroy a station, you do not. And as I understand it with the industry, it was particularly important for this system in Tama because it's so close to Jita. It's four jumps away. There's a difference between the, the reactions that you can do in LOSEC. And so a lot of reactions were getting done in this particular station because it was just a free port that people could access to use to do those jobs very 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 close to Jita. so that would have been a, a lot of value there not to mention the the capsules and the jump clones and things yeah that might have been more for griefing which i think snuff really enjoys they like to grief people in game through in-game mechanics the only thing that I'm confused about, so you talked about if they had pulled the implants, did whoever owns Space Detroit actually pull all the uh, the modules? Because if you look at the the structure itself, there's no actual... Yeah. Okay. Like, they must have, because it didn't generate anything on the kill mail. So they must have known that this was coming and pulled everything before it got reowed. Because once it's reinforced, right, even the first thing, you can't pull them, Correct. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought, That's yeah. What, okay. Right. So, they, yeah, they must have known it was coming. Or they got it while they were in the process of hitting it the first time. No, it has to be fully repaired. And oh, that change wow, was okay. made because, like, this, the rigs on these sorts of structures are obscenely important. Or, sorry, exceedingly expensive. And we used to have issues where keep stars or Sotios would be dying and the owner would just pull the rig so you wouldn't see the value on the loss board. And, of course, everybody wants their kill boards to be nice, so CCP eventually made that quality of life change. So now you can't. It has to be 100% across all shield, armor, and structure. That's yeah. interesting, then. Like, how did they know? Oh, sorry. Spy. Spy. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, another thing with that is for someone, let's say, hitting a Keepstar or Fortizar, they have different fits. Sometimes they're basically two, one's anti-cap and one's anti-sub-cap. Even with the initial shield timer, if you have anti-cap fitted and it's like a sub-cap fleet, you're not able to sw uh, swap the modules as soon as they start firing on your structure. 
Yeah, that's a good call, too. That way you can't, like, cheese it with your fit of saying, oh, it's normally subcap fit or whatever, and then they bring capitals, and you just switch it out to try and kill capitals. That makes a lot of sense. Ah, yeah. see, I disagree. I think you should be able to be able to switch that out. Based on what you're being attacked by. Why, and I can see not taking the industrial modules off or the... Uh, the rigs and things like that, but you should be able to change out your weapon type if you're being attacked. I don't know. I don't know because I think that's also a strategy because like not everyone has like massive super cat fleets or sub cat fleets. They they have to do one or one or the other. So I think that makes sense. I don't know if snuff's in that category by any stretch of the imagination, but for some of the smaller stuff or smaller groups, that definitely would make sense. I would guess that snuff would probably be able to field either one. I would guess. I I don't know that for a fact, but my. My gut says they can field both caps and subcaps. Yeah. A lot of times nowadays with Astro House, that's one of the most important ones because for 40 stars and keep stars, most likely they're anti cap fit. But for Astros, it can be either subcap or anti cap fits. So a lot of times, if let's say you have L to scan the structure and then see, oh, it's anti subcap fit, then jump a, a capital there, see a cycle or two, and then just reinforce the structure. Now this is easier without the limit for the damage that's a good point too because of because uh, how much easier it is to reinforce and kill medium structures flea block in the chat asks why couldn't the owners of the of space detroit bat phone for help although there are a few typos in there i think they're referring to a troll post that was posted on r slash eve from a member of snuff about like other low set groups not protecting the structure, and so many people loved it and wanted to use it, but nobody actually showed up to defend it. So, what are our thoughts there? That's actually, from my perspective, not surprising at all, and very, very disappointing, but not surprising at all. I, I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate industrialists, but that typically seems to be the reaction. They, they don't want to do PvP, and will sometimes almost hurt themselves. By you know, expressing that point of view, you know, they won't just won't do it and let things get destroyed. I, I, I've seen that lots of places. I'm sure Rain has too. Yeah, and I also don't know, like, if you were to say, "Hey, who's the leader of Space Detroit?" I have no freaking idea. Like, I'd have to go and look at the corp and like all the alliance and stuff like that just to see who owns it. And then, even then, I don't know if that's an active person or if it's just like, "Hey, here's like an alt slash shell alliance we use for this for this thing." Like for all I know, it could actually be like maybe snuffed out owned it, and that's why they're why they're destroying it is because they want to, I don't know, let the actually if they had, if that was true they'd let the fuel run out and it go reinforced or whatever, but they didn't do that, so probably not the case. But yeah, I have I have no idea like who owns it to let even know who they would reach out to ask or whatever. Plus, like a large portion of the galaxy is currently involved in some sort of war, so they might not particularly be available. That is true. We do have both a war in the north and a war in the south, plus people doing other things in other regions of space. I mean, that can be potentially a reason why Snuff went for it, right? They can't find contents anywhere else. Frat and Brave focus up north, and there's a war in the south. Not much content for them. Well, they might have looked at it also as everyone's engaged somewhere else, so no, there was nobody to bat phone. To, you know, I mean, if they had that ability, there might not have been any, you know, the people who they could have called may have been engaged otherwise. Yeah, it's very clear, though, that whoever runs Space Detroit knew that they were going to get attacked. And the fact that they removed all the modules even before the shields were hit just means that they didn't have any, like, stake in the game. It also means that whoever they are, they have the Eve mail 
which tells them how many pods were destroyed. So I wish that would get published. That would be fantastic to know that, wouldn't it? Yeah. I wish they would tell you what was in the pods, at least. How long was that Satio there? Did we know how long it had been up? I don't Uh, know. I don't know. I've heard reference to Space Detroit, but I don't know if that's just how people refer to Tama. Tama? Tama? I was going to say that, too. I've heard talk about this for, it seems like, a long time, but that just be me not remembering, you know. Yeah. Adding my own thoughts to it. At least a couple years, though, I would think. You want to go on our next structure kill? Was this also an empty structure? So the kill being shown now is the faction forges are blown up. Well, it was one jump from Jita. says it only appeared on Z-Kill recently, and then, but it appears that the famed piracy group Black Flag killed a Prometheus faction Fortisar. So it's in the next door system. I cannot pronounce that system. I think that's actually one system actually going towards Tama. So if people <laughs> knew it in route. It, so because it is a faction Fortisar, those are usually known for having those faction rigs. However, it was obviously not in not null sex, so therefore it would not have it because it would have been scooped before and lost those. But this one actually died. It died, when was it? All the way back. Oh, back in July. So like a week ago. Yeah, a week, a little over a week ago. But um, it just now showed up on Z-Kill. So for those who don't know, if you do not have your APIs linked to Z-Kill, and you do not manually copy and paste a kill mail to Z-Kill, it will not show up. So yeah. that's probably why this one did not show up until now. I think the other interesting about this one is its location near Cheetah. If you've ever tried to anchor anything other than a medium structure near Cheetah, it's probably died, and that's because of the TTT Keepstar in Perimeter. If another large structure goes up, it can set up a market and set up taxes, which would compete with the Tranquility Trade Tower Keepstar. And so there are lots of deals in place, and various groups will come in to try and kill any large structure which shows up in order to prevent this from happening. In fact, back when the Tranquility Trade Tower was becoming established, there was a like year-long war of just structures getting spammed and setting their, setting their taxes to zero to cause the various structures to lose profitability. Yeah, that, was, so- that was an interesting time with both combat and what do you call that? economic combat or economic PvP also. Yeah, it was an interesting time. Yeah, it was a lot. A lot of folks don't realize until they actually do it that high set combat, especially on a large scale, is not enjoyable. This one looked like it was just a structure bash from Black Flag. I don't know. I was gonna say I don't know who owns this structure, but it looks like they just showed up and shot it, and then yeah, I have no idea who this group is. I mean, they tried this before too. They tried anchoring, or was this the same day? Okay, this is a week later. They anchored a. An Asbel and a Fortizar as well, and both of those died. So they are just intent on putting up structures in Nyabenon, and they're not being successful. Yeah, I wonder if Black, like either Black Flag's hunting them because, hey, they're actually getting able to get kill mails and whatnot, or I wonder if they're being hi- hired by someone who runs the TTT to kind of prevent this group from setting up. So, because, yeah, it doesn't look like they're actually doing much besides losing really cheaper, obnoxious ships. I had somebody said this week, and I agree with them, SEC is the most dangerous space in all of EVE. I mean, you can't put structures up. It's so hard to do, and, and you know, look at the effort it takes to, to get them up, and once they're up, yeah, it doesn't take much to take them down. They're hard to defend. 
quite the interesting kill board here. Yes. <laughs> I do not know why this indi- this group would have a uh, a faction for Dazar, but it looks like they're definitely like a like we were talking earlier. I'm, I was going to say a shell group or like an alt group just being used for things. Okay. Should we should we shift our focus to the war? And I ask this with the hope that one of our expert guests can give us a little bit of like a history lesson. Because we've had this on the back burner for so long, and it's also been very murky. The groups involved with RMC and the Imperium and Fireco, like RMC and Fireco in particular, I don't think much of the audience could name the members of those groups and would probably get them confused. So could we get a bit of a narrative and a, a who's who with this war in the South? Well, I, I, full disclosure... I just came back to Eve after four months hiatus. I have been active in the war since I came back. I'm in a good, I don't know if it's called a, it's a war, but maybe other people are calling it a war. So basically, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's initiative started it, started hitting these, in these structures out here in edge of Tenerifus, Encia, and it is Fireco or Fireco aligned people. Most of the ones I've been involved with is the Celestial Empire which is a member of the Fire Co. And to be honest, they haven't been the biggest defenders of a lot of this. I know, I know it's not all of PanFam. That's not until this weekend. But a big group of PanFam has been down here helping them defend stuff. I can find a good battle report. I probably can't. Let me look so I can get a good one, give you a good list of something like Severance and Razor. Lots of old names are in here fighting against the normal Imperium initiative, TNT, Lawn. And of course, Goon Swarm. It wasn't Sorry. just the Imperium, though. Like, we're talking, I think, way back when, like, it was like months ago, we had LB on, and LB was part of, was that RMC? Where mm-hmm. he was like, him and his group are just living out in old legacy space, just kind of minding their own business. And they are a tiny group. He's with What Could Go Wrong. And then Fire kept coming at them. And so, because Fire was coming at them, and they were like this massive coalition compared to some of these tiny alliances. They actually reached out to Imperium, so that's when Imperium came in. And when Imperium came in, Fire obviously reached out. They're like, hey, PanFam, can you come help us? So Horde, PL, and NCDOT moved down. They moved just normal caps, or some normal caps, and then obviously just subcapitals to come and live in that space. To, or at least, stay, I shouldn't say live. I should say stage out that space to fight. And then it feels like it's only really escalated from there. So that's why, like, now now it's everyone fighting Imperium. That's because Imperium's kind of shielding some of these smaller groups because of how how little they are and how much they can't do. Or at least that's my understanding of it. Yeah, well, that's the first SIG deployment, essentially. It was, um, yeah. We're, we're trying to protect RMC from getting hit. And also, supporter of Imperium, Dracarys, is getting hit as well at the time. So that's the first SIG deployment. We pulled back around a month or two ago. And then after that, Pen, Fem, and Plus Fire aggressed more until a kill mill of a keep start. That's when the full coalition deployed to, to the south, essentially. That's when the full-on war technically started. That's, when the, that's not just a SIG, that's the entire coalition mobilized to the front line. Correct. Yep. And so, and now we have, we also have logs. I say logs, leaks. I don't know what you want to call it. So Imperium deployed everything. So I remember it may not have been here, but there were a few other battle reports that their Super and Titan fleet was, I think it was on there. 
I'm just fighting stuff. And then now, in, I don't know if you call it retaliation, or now as a show of force, Panfam's now bringing their supers and titans down too. So you can see there's a goblins being, so goblins runs Pandemic Horde. It's probably safe to assume that if goblins does something, the rest of Panfam does it as well. I'd say that's fair. I mean, well, he doesn't, he doesn't really of, do things on his own, so... That's kind of the thing, right? People are, we know that Horde is deploying, but no 100% words is like NC or PL deploying with them or not. But assume they are. So it's like a kind of assumption. So I'm in the PL. Rumor, mill, rumor sales PL is deploying, right? Or no? Well, I'm in PL, but I don't have access because I don't, I sold my Nyx. So I don't have access to Super Titan things anyway. And I, I mean, I have my dreads down already, but I think that's kind of public that PL. And I want to say NC2 brought normal capitals, but this is different because it's Supers and Titans. Yeah, it'll, if be, you it'll look, be interesting to see how this progresses things. If you look at the, the footage that's been coming out of the war from people making like hype videos and things, or even at battle reports, I've been seeing quite a bit of faxes being used on sovereignty nodes, and faxes being used to support like fights versus hacks. So like Fire and Pandemic Horde will bring a hack fleet, and then on the side of Imperium Initiative, see they'll bring in a fax to support their fleet because they know that they can drop supers and the other group probably won't be willing to escalate in turn. I wonder if a counter super fleet would change that dynamic and on its own just the presence of it without ever getting used impact the, the tide of the war. Well, usually with the battleship fleet, especially with APOC Navy and TFIs, is very standard to support them with the fax. No, notes are another story. Intelligence notes that has using facts is has a disadvantage of taking a long time, but it's very secure. Of course, we haven't seen much of a dread or a super escalation, but with goblins, uh, with horde essentially and Panfam deploying down south, that can be well a possibility in the future. Yeah, I agree. I that, but up till the point when they deploy, somebody had floated out. The, the speculative ratio of, of caps, us versus our enemy at the time, was 50 to 1. Now it's going to change. I think it'd probably be close to even. Well, maybe not even, but, you know, close. Because I know that I, we're throwing caps around. Well, not me. But from what I've seen, lots of caps being used in, in a not real secure manner because we've, at, at least at the time or now, we, we feel safe enough to do that. Yeah, and even like, I mean, even if you do lose caps, I'm thinking like carriers and dreads or just faxes, especially faxes to support your um, your battleship fleets. I know that happens on all sides, or I think all groups do that. I know Snuff does that a lot too, so I know we were talking about them earlier. But it's actually really good because caps are really easy to replace. A lot of people just have cap caches, especially dreads. And then if you can win a fight, but you lose like, what, five caps for it? and it helps you with whatever solve system you're trying to fight or structure you're trying to fight, it's definitely worth it. Especially, uh, I know now the industry changes make it a lot easier to build caps. It's a little more expensive to build supers and titans than it was years ago, but caps are definitely more reasonable now to just throw around and use more strategically. It's one of those but, things that depends on how you look at your, your victory conditions. If you're looking at, at ISK war only, it's still dangerous to use caps. You lose one, you may lose the escort. But if you're looking at at strategic objective, you know, as your winning metrics, then using caps for these things makes sense, right? Because 
even if you lose one dread, may still win the overall objective, you know, and, and be worth losing that dread. It just depends on how you look at it, I guess. And both sides look at it both ways, depending on what, how they want to spin it, you know? I mean, when we're looking at battleship fleets, or, or even I've seen videos of, like, Tech 3 fleets that are supported by facts, they can be a, a strong point of your fleet, but they can also be a weakness if you can't protect it. If you don't have a fully fleshed out Lodgy Wing because you're going to be supported by your facts, then if the enemy brings in dreads and just kills your facts, you've, you've got nothing. You've got to see the field. You cannot stay and try and fight it back to kill the dreads or what have you. And that facts can't receive subcap support either. So if the enemy can reasonably bring in enough to kill your facts quickly, then it's, it's more of a weakness than a, than a benefit to you. If... I would agree if losing that fax is the end-all be-all, right? If you have enough of them and you throw them around to the point where losing it's not going to hurt you that much, then it's not a de- then, then that becomes not a deterrent or not a, you know not a weakness. It it really does depend on your numbers and what you're willing to call it acceptable losses. I, I've been on fleets where we would do throw everything away to try to save one capital. Well, if you're not in that position, then the capital is, you know, isn't that important. It becomes less important to lose it then too. So I yeah, just. Well, that also depends. Well, that is basically a standard cap escalation, right? You put battleship fleets with a fax, like Howard dread and some anti-cap dreads. With on the other side, put more anti-cap dreads, supers, supers on both sides, and then titans on grid. That's like the escalation chain essentially. Yeah, and if you're in a position where you know your enemy can't do that at that time, then you're safe to use you know, the big, your, your bigger toys for a bit. When it becomes a situation where you either don't know or you know your enemy can do that, then it becomes a little more hairy, I guess. So let's, if you won't mind, take a moment to talk about the momentum of this war. And I pulled up some, some time-stamped .lan pages to show sort of like who was owning what area of space at different points in time. I think Faith Abolis is probably the best one to look at this in terms of how this war has been ongoing. So if you look at the start of June, like there was still ongoing fighting between Red Menace Coalition and Fire Co. And I think even like, gosh, who was living in Pravi at the time? Wrecking Crew were still active and like fighting and stuff. And... So you can see there's a lot of fighting down the south, but it was mostly Dakaris, and then you had is this Red Alliance, I believe. So a lot of RMC and Faith of Bali. Snapshot forward to June 19th. This is the date that the Keepstar died. And here you see that XIX and Horde have come in and taken a lot of that RMC space. Northern Coalition has some down here, and the south is just still a complete mess. Now fast forward again, and you're seeing Red Menace Coalition is starting to take more of their space back. But it's still just a mess just about everywhere, and there's still quite a lot of holdings in various pieces by Fire Coalition with XIF. And we see a similar sort of story in Immensity and Tenerifus. Those three regions, from what I can tell from the, the timer boards, are the, the focus points here. Immensity back on June 19th was really on. Touched. There weren't many timers here, and it was mostly held by Fireco. And then jump forward now, we've got some holes missing, and now you've got in it up in here, and thing, things have started changing size. Similar thing in Tenerifus, back on June 19th. There are some timers, it was kind of active, but it's mostly Fireco. 
and then jump forward to now and we've got Dakaris all up in this northern corner and I don't even know who X3 is. Does anyone know off the top of their head who X3 is? I don't. Does that sound familiar? No value. Are they fire or RMC? Fire. Fire. fire, okay. Yeah. So fire still has a bit of a, a bit of a presence in the region for sure. But things are certainly changing hands, and the progress seems to be showing in terms of SOV holdings. And these are iHubs, mind you, not TCUs, because they are worthless. SOV holdings are definitely progressing towards Fire, or sorry, towards the Imperium and RMC. And we've actually seen that begin to increase in how quickly those timers are changing hands over the last few weeks. And I think, Shen, you're the one who first mentioned this to me. It could be because the timers that FireCo is setting for all of their defense timers, for the sovereignty timers, swapped from EUTZ to AUTZ. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, essentially, as far as I understand, is they just can't fight uh, Imperium during EUTZ. And like, they think like switching to AUTZ will work. I think that's the rationale behind it. So they switch, I think, almost all of their iHub timers to AOTZ. Has it been working? I would say not really. <laughs> Jukari, we, we have been doing really a good job of uh, taking a lot of the iHub timers, especially. Yeah, for the past month or so, we had ops like almost every single night. I figured, yeah, I mean, every night. So one of the big, I think, big momentum points was just a couple days ago when we took the W4E iHub, which I guess was their staging system. So that hurts. I mean, anytime you lose your staging system. Yeah. So, yeah. Was there a keep star? If this was their staging system, is there a keep star in here? I don't remember if there is or not. Mm, I don't no. think so. If, if it's a keep star, it hasn't been reinforced as far as I know. I don't okay. think there is a keep star. And yeah, it, it was just, it was their 6, 6.0 system, the one they chose to be their. You know, because you can your multiplier, they chose it as their capital, so they they up that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know in in the last big war we had in the south, like pre Vietnam, when we had the long war between fraternity and test. I guess they were legacy at the time. Sort of the way things would go is if the iHub fell, the iHub and its Sinojammers were what was protecting the Keepstar from siege, because you really couldn't take out a Keepstar without dropping a Super or a Titan fleet on it. And, and so basically if the iHub fell, it's, you're pretty sure there's going to be a Keepstar fight in the near future, or at least a Keepstar kill. So I'll be curious to see if that occurs here. I'm trying to think of if I've seen a Keepstar in enemy space. I, maybe I, 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 I know I there's at least I, one, because yeah. my character is currently staged in a Keepstar, but I don't know if that's what you would... Granted, I'm PanFam, I'm not Fire. I would assume Fire has their own Keepstars that they're... I just haven't come across it in any of the fleets I've gone on yet, so maybe we're just waiting to hit that. I don't know. Yeah, and the other curious thing, right? Talking about Panfam and their deployment, their destination is Deterid. And if we look at the map, Deterid, it, it is sort of adjacent to MNC and Tenerifis. There is a bit of a travel to get over to Faith of Ballas. This, I suppose, is a question to, to Shen and Dominarch since you live in the region. How are jump ranges? Does, does deploying to Deterid as a staging point does that give you really the range that you need to reach out? Or are these regional gates a big deal? The regional gates will be a big deal. Yeah. Well, that, this is the time where you need to pull up like, the actual map instead of the dollar one to see the cap ranges. 
there's a giant gate essentially between 77S8 and 46DP. That's one big one I remember. There are a couple of big ones beforehand, but we have like successful, successfully uh, essentially get both of the iHubs. That's yeah. So that one, yeah, that's the big range I believe between 77S8 and 460P, and that's really close to the uh, fire staging. Fire staging is JTAG Z, which is like I believe they have a jump bridge, which is like literally a jump to to that to that system. So it's very easy for them to, to, to drop caps with that one. But yeah, there has been... So one thing that I've experienced with fighting in this area is that there has been a lot of those like island systems where it's kind of hard to get caps in like a stage in one place and jump to everywhere else. We were like constantly moving them. I suppose we should explain for, for our viewers who may not be particularly familiar with capital mechanics, why are these jump ranges and regional gates important? Well, essentially, like, cap has a range that they can jump to, with the jump to a signal. Those big regional gates prevented them from jumping from one side to the other. So that means they have to gate caps. That's, like, one of the most painful things you can ever do, which is gating caps, because as soon as there's a bubble on the other side, you cannot jump. You have I don't to. Know. I hear Pandemic Legion does it all the time. Oh, maybe Rain has something to say about it. <laughs> no, no, you should be. Sorry, go on with what you're saying, but yeah. But yeah, so like the problem, most of the time comes with super caps. Caps has longer range than ca- uh, than super caps, so sometimes escalation with caps are possible. But as soon as you get to super cap escalation, that's where the problem comes in. And a lot of times, caps need to be backed up by super caps. So like there's a lot of correlation and a lot of mechanics behind it. So regional gates are really key sometimes and they're really hard to defend. One, the gate itself is larger than the regular gate, so you can't. It's harder to bubble. Right, they are. They have a different grid mechanic, not mechanic, but a different size grid than than regular gates do, and typically that's a long, light year jump between the two spots. Right, so you don't, you just can't skip them. I think, if I'm, I may be incorrect on this, but most times the only ones that can skip them are the Rorks and, and jump freighters. Most of the regular caps and sub and super caps don't have the range to skip a, a regional gate, so they become choke points. Yeah, and so with a lot of times when you're moving this stuff, especially with this type of space where it's like an active war zone, so a lot of times people just don't actively live there. So it's very easy to kind of like strategically place your jump route where you may go from A, B, C, but if you want, you could also go like A, D, C, like kind of around if so, if something were to get like have a choke, so there's no little choke points, but like Dom was saying, those regional gates, after so many routes you can take, eventually you have to cross the regional gate and it becomes super tedious. And so if you're trying to move or strategically place your fleets for a fight, so whether you're coming in, so say Dutterid into like, I don't know, in Amencia or something along those lines, you may get stuck at those choke points. So if you're the enemy, you say, okay, we know our, we know the bad guys are in Dederid and they have to go to Amencia. Let's just stop them here. And then if they get stuck, we can escalate on them. And so that's where sometimes it becomes an inconvenience if you're too many regionals away. Now, we it may get lucky. Maybe PanFam has a strategy for that. 
in some way, shape or form. I don't know what that would look like where they're able to kind of skip that regional gate. But if they can't, then that can be used by the Imperium to stop them. Yeah, well, if you look at down south, it's not that obvious where you can like just go up to immense and then jump down to the to let's say that MS8 area. But if you look at either down south, Imperial bases and Paragon Soul or up north between Cobalt Edge and Vino, those regional grades are massive. Like like the one up north there's like it takes a long, long time to actually just like do cap jumps around them. So sometimes you have to take like the yeah, a Tino, Tino, so I'm sorry. Yeah, so between Tino and Cobalt Edge, right, that's a massive g gate. And to move your, I mean, even your cat fleet, or especially your super cat fleet, if you wanted to go on the other side of a, a regional gate, you're going to need to have support on the other side, structure support of some kind. Because the worst thing you do is go over there, fight, and get stuck there. You know, obviously, it's happened many times where that's the, the big choke point is trying to get out. Not get in, necessarily, it's trying to get out in... I don't. I don't know about Pan Fan. What they'll do, if they'll just jump right in anyway. But I doubt it. They're going to want to try to come in and get a, you know, get a beach hold and and, and have a place to be safe. But it's hard. Yeah, and then the other option too. So you could see this as, so it's very hard to say. Well, who's the attacker and who's the defender in this, right? Because, I mean, it's really RMC and fire. And a lot of times we're not referring to RMC and fire, right? Like we're talking Imperium and Pan Fam. But the other way to look at this too is maybe Pan maybe Panfam is drawing the line in the sand there. Maybe they're saying, okay, we're going to move everything to Deterred because that's our last stand. Like if we lose entry into Deterred, then maybe we go back. And that's maybe why they're choosing Deterred instead of somewhere more forward. That could also be the perspective of it. And then the other the other thing too is so I think Imperium's capitals are in catch and GE like old brave staging. Sorry, my cat says hello. But um, that could also be where maybe they're saying, okay, we know if we stage our caps here, then Imperium can't come at us right away. Like they can't catch us on ideally like the jump route or the move down or anything along those lines. Like that's another perspective too. Sure. Anytime you do a capital move, if you're, well, I'm going to say every time you do a capital move, you really do need to have semi good intelligence on where your enemies capitals are because you worst thing to do is get caught in a capital move <laughs> and get caught by somebody who's ready to fight yeah 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 this i think and that's we why really, move offs yeah go ahead i was gonna say we it's really hard to like speculate on this like if we had like gobbins on here or like asher or something it'd be a lot easier to ask like hey what are you gonna do with these like what's the game plan where, where are your goalposts etc but like right now we're just a bunch of nerds speculating but this is also good right because not everyone and their mom is some coalition leader so this is like good insight that folks can look at to see why do people make some decisions that don't really make sense at first what were you saying shen i'll say like that's why it's their importance of move ops for caps and super caps instead of moving by yourself. Like jumping to Sinos, uh, that that's like on a structure, that's 100% safe. But what's not safe is going through those regional gates. Like that's why move ops, you have to go with, let's like, say, faxes with other ca capitals with you so that like if things does happen, you can fight right away instead of you just by you're just caught by your own super or your own cap. That's it's very hard to survive in those situations. Yeah, yeah sure. you don't want to move, for sure, a super cap by yourself. I mean, for sure. Now, I've gated my dread around before, but, you know, like you said, I, I, I'm at the point, not, not that it's just one of those things, I don't consider dread really that big of a deal if I lose it. I've 
got many of them. So I know yeah. one burning question I still have on my mind. We we talked about already in the show where Dakaris is really up their activity because Fireco set timers to AUTZ. With the deployment of PanFam, or at least of Horde, probably PanFam, is the expectation that those timers are going to flip back to EUTZ, or are PanFam and Horde going to try and fight in AUTZ? I know Horde definitely has AUTZ FCs. I think there's... I, I want to say there's an FC... Oh, Stedio. I think Stedio is their Australian FC. And a lot of people like enjoy his fleets, right? Because he has an Australian accent and it's all like Australian-themed. But, I mean, I'm not sure if... I don't know if I would say Horde is like a Australian time zone powerhouse. I don't know if I'd go that far. But, I mean, a Horde can at least participate in that manner. I know definitely Horde and the rest of PanFam do have a strong EU time zone and US time zone presence. Like most, I would say most coalitions in the game but i mean i it wouldn't surprise me either way mostly because i know horde already has that au time zone presence if they need just yeah. a bit of speculation on my own part i wouldn't be surprised if they swapped it to ustz because if i think about the makeup of the different groups i know goonswarm used to be known for their ustz but i think initiative is mostly eutz and I think Goonswarm has definitely trended that direction over time. I could see Goons going back, though, too, with Asher, like Asher's U.S. time zone. He's also... Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, because they may, but I mean, it, w- it may not be instantaneous. I'm not sure, Dominic, your U.S. time zone, so I don't know if you've noticed, does, like, Imperium have a strong U.S. time zone presence mostly? Oh, we can't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> I, t- I touched TeamSpeak. So we have a very strong U.S. time zone. We do. I would say we still have a stronger EU time zone. I, I would agree with that. I don't think it's a, a huge difference between the two, but it is a difference. I was, I was going to say, though, if, since the strategy is not working with the, well, in my opinion, because we've seen lots of IHUBs being flipped just the last few days, with the AU time zone strategy, wouldn't Pandemic Horde be stronger in either AU or US? I mean, even if they had a good showing in AU, wouldn't it be better for them to go back to what their strengths are? I, I doubt. For me, I doubt it would stay. Dracarius is doing so well in the AU that the that strategy is not working. So why wouldn't you? To me, why wouldn't you move to your strongest suit, I, which plays into Imperium's hands? I mean, I, so it's kind of a, a sucky situation for them, actually. Yeah, that makes sense too. I just know I won't be on any AU time zone fleets. So it doesn't really bother me either. <laughs> when I work nights, I used to. <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what question? But also, I'll say, like, change those. I have timer. It takes time. It's not like instant change as well. So no, it's 30 days, right? A minimum? Yeah, so we yeah. May, yeah, I think. Yeah, so we may see some like conflicts during the change time. Like the times that need to take to change the I have timers. Well, to be fair, it, it would be. Obviously, at this point, it benefits us to keep it, them keep it that way. We are doing well with it the way it is, right? Yeah, but we are the one who are doing well, but they're the one who can change it, right? So that's what I mean. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to change it. Yeah, because yeah. you guys are doing very well. I mean, it's the whole group, the whole coalition is doing well. Okay, it's a lot better to be on the attack than is the defense. I mean, that's just a fact, right? It, it is easier to be on the attacking side than it is to be on the defending side. The defenders have a harder road to hold than the attackers because we get to decide when we attack or when we not attack, right? You know, it's, it's, 
it, it does make a difference when you're the attacker. I feel like it's a lot less stressful being the attacker because you get to decide. Although, as a defender, I feel like the tools, you have a bit more tools. Being able, Obviously, being able to pick the time zones, one of them, and amongst other things. Do we actually think a super cat v super cat fight is going to happen? Think want, or want? I want it to. I, everybody wants it. I can't think you can ask a single EVE Online player and they're going to say, no, I don't want that. Even the like diehardiest small gang bitter vet is like, yeah, I'd love to see those nullsec nerds blow up their, sp- their shiny spaceships. But do we think that it's going to happen? Like there's a realistic chance? Or are these just here to, to even the scales in terms of who can use capitals at whim? I honestly, and I've, I've talked to this with a lot of people friends and stuff about this i personally believe it will happen i but i also believe it's it's going to be the result of a mistake like it almost is every time somebody will make a mistake and then one side or the other will capitalize on it and a big fight will ensue Uh, will it be a situation where oh we're going to load up and we're going to go at them with everything we got and they're going to come at us with everything got as you know where it's telegraphed it's going to happen i doubt it i think it'll be somebody messes up and somebody else jumps on them and then it it escalates from there. Like it's been almost almost every other major capital fight. So yes, I think it'll happen because we all fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a cat pilot, I, I really want to use it, but like it, it takes a lot of opportunities and chances to pass by in order to get that one fight and they have, you have the potential of losing it as well. But like often those fights either result in a mistake or it's like I wouldn't say plan, but once I planned it, like say very important strategic iHubs type of thing, that like both sides are committed to use cabs, and the other side is like, if we're not gonna take it, we're gonna throw everything we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to it type of thing. So like both sides are like actually throwing stuff into a fight. Yeah, Sam, you also you linked us a battle report here. Or I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rain. Nope. Go on. I was just yeah. gonna say I hope it happens. XD. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is just happening. This is just popping up on Killboard that I noticed. Yeah, so like as we're talking about cap fights, it is here. We get normal caps. Now we just need the super caps. Yeah, so here we had carriers on the side of Pandemic Horde and Eoses. The Eoses have been making a comeback down in the south. We haven't seen them like anywhere in the north, and it makes me very happy. But we had Fax versus a battleship fleet. And once again, this is kind of what I was trying to say earlier. My point about the the Fax is a weak. In this case, like this battleship fleet, they didn't have any sort of logistic support after these Faxes. So I imagine as soon as these Fax went down, let me look at the timeline and see if they went down early. If they went down early, then like that's it. But it looks like they didn't go down early. Yeah, no, there was just like one battleship, and then both facts died, and then fight over. Yeah, oh, I mean, like what was the start of this fight? Do you know, Shin? No, I just saw this pop oh. on Killboard. I was like, "What is this going on?" And then it's like, "Yeah, there, there's, a ti- there's a timer. Yeah, there's a timer. There's a timer. Oh, okay. Timers. Yeah. yeah. But I was and, and not expecting was, yeah. carrier fleets. Well, they is said that they a were going to do it. thing. Dreads to have siege modules, so. They are not like if if they're in siege for that five minutes, is either make it or break it. 
like if, if you are able to survive that five minutes then you're gonna get reps from faxes and that stuff but if if you're not gonna make it you're gonna be dead like 100 type of thing if the dps is enough but with carriers there's no such thing as uh, a siege module it does have the nsa which does not like prevent you from getting repped that's why carriers are much more i would say use the word flexible in a sense that it can be like repped and then be saved by other ships than than just dreads yeah that sounds right and and that fight there was under a hostile well hostile from our point of view sino jammer so we couldn't have escalated there if we wanted to good that's a good spot for the enemy to use their capitals when they know that we can't come in with ours you know easily we could gate them but it's that's a that's a shitty system <laughs> it'd be hard to gate that many times to get our caps in so it's a it was a, a good fight for actually for both sides really not a lot of kills, but... Yeah, that's exciting. I really hope we see stuff like that with supers and titans. I know the big thing that will be a determining factor, so I'm assuming this went into the factor of Pandemic Horde bringing their stuff down, but the thought is, right, like Imperium's, I think on their own as a coalition, is the largest super-slash-titan pilot coalition, not coalition, fleet in the game. I'm I'm assuming that still, but even after like M M2 tech and all the all the stuff happening within the last year after Vietnam, but I think if I don't know if Panfam or Pandemic Horde would bring their supers or Titans down if they didn't think that they could rival it, and so I don't know if either like Panfam got more or Imperium got less, or maybe it's just hey we know the server caps at five thousand people six thousand so if we want to crash everything let's just crash the server because I know that used to be a strategy in Eve, but like. I don't, I don't know if they're saying, okay, let's bring it down because we think we can rival it. Because if one side dra dramatically outweighed the other, so let's say Imperium had 1,000 and Panfam only had 500, Panfam definitely wouldn't bring anything. Because they already know, like, hey, the other side has more Titans than us, that's more Doomsdays, they automatically win with these crazy, tedious battles. So I wonder if it's, like, actually close, like, close to 1 to 1, or maybe it's, like, I don't know, 0. 0.9 to 1 or something like that, or, like, relatively. I'm hoping it's really close, because in that way, I think we'll see, we have more chance of seeing it, rather than one side jumping in to just get instantly murdered by everyone. I'm going to have to disagree, Rain. I, I don't think it's close. I don't think we'll see Supers and Titans from, from Pan Fam's side. I, it's a long way to bring them, isn't it, to, if you don't? If there's a chance you're going to lose more, you know, if, if a fight happens and there's a good chance you could lose it, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know their side well enough to, to know whether they would do it or not. I don't I think mean, they would bring them if they if they weren't going to use them or didn't ca want capitals, the capitals, no problem. I think both sides kind of look at capitals as no, just bigger battleships, right? We're talking dreads and, and, and carriers. But what kinds of supers and titans, I think there's a lot more... Uh, thought goes into whether or not to to even deploy them whether or not to use them right yeah for sure i mean goblin did ping like all supers so i don't know if that includes titans or not so well, i think Bamfam considers frigate supers i think right what what is that right that, that would be weird too <laughs> i don't know would you deploy a super fleet but without titans so only super carriers I don't know if I've seen that. I mean, I think you deploy Titans before supers because you. I mean, it, whether you use them in combat or not, they are very useful for bridging, right? So you kind of yeah. want them in your at least a, a certain number of them in any kind of deployment. You got to have some, right? So I, I don't know. That's a good question. The, the difference between super carriers and Titans is like, essentially, like they can do the same thing is in a way that like you can change the 
doomsday or the uh, like yeah, the doomsday weapon essentially on uh, on Titan to make it e- either into a lens or a rapier or a doomsday. It's similar to super carriers where they can switch out fighters for into anti cap or anti sub cap. It's just that super carriers are just much more efficient in changing that. Like they can literally just swap like swap fighters, but for for titans you have to literally position them right and make sure the pilots know how to use let's say the lens with the rapier in order to make it like effective yeah true yes supers and carriers are are the one we were talking about earlier switching out a combat capabilities of the structures and you can't do it if they've been attacked supers and carriers are one of the few combat ships out there who have the ability to do both capital and subcapital at whim right they can change it out of the middle of a fight which is why they're my favorite ships yeah like titan in theory can't it's just so much harder yeah it's not a quick change that you know change your tubes out real quick and you know i mean hell i know there was fights where we were just abandoning our fighters and then throwing new ones in the tubes and launching you know and then pulling those back you know reconnecting that yeah yeah so Araya asked in the chat with fireco or sorry with fireco getting the support of panfam and horde here is that going to invigorate the attacker side? Are we going to see some people who weren't necessarily engaged in the war or who were AFK for the summer coming back because now suddenly this is escalating and more interesting? Have you been seeing that, Dominark and Shen, on the Imperium side? Yes. Well, for us, it's like as soon as it changed to AOTZ, we see, I, I, I see a lot more numbers, at least. Well, you guys, have been, contents. Yeah. You guys have been involved from the very beginning because it was... You know, yeah, yeah. You're the catalyst from the, from that well, get go. I mean, there's a there's a period of time I think where the timers got changed to a EUTZ. So there's a period of time where like there's not much things to do. There are timers that slip to AOTZ, but most of the timers are in EUTZ. But recently they're changed to AOTZ. So like we've been getting much more momentum than before. Well, I'm I, I'm an example of that. Or this, I, I've come back literally this week. I, I had taken a four month break and I came back this week because of the war. Awesome. Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm very excited about is see how the paladin doctrine is going to work because shooting some paladins are like, it's going to be really sweet kill mills. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pal- PL flies paladin doctrine. So it's lots of fun. I, th- I think. Uh- I hear a lot from other folks that saying marauders are super oppressive, but it's really exciting being in Nullsec and just seeing fleets of like marauders going at it is so much fun. It, like, is it just APOC Navy, but with a Bastion, or is it different? Oh, it's way more strong. With the Bastion bonus to your rate of fire, like the amount of damage you're putting down range is just absolutely insane. You can also tank a pretty solid amount too. So essentially it's like mini dread, like super good mini Exactly. Dread. Yeah, no, exactly. And then the siege or well, the, the bastion well, the same module, choice. yeah. And then the bastion module too. Like you can cycle in and out really fast, so you can like essentially like siege, shoot, and then de-siege, and then logic can catch you super fast. So I know I fly logic with those, and it's like we like we'll call to people like, hey, how long, etc., just to see if we're able to rep them in time. And then I mean, obviously you can use faxes because it's a battleship fleet, so it's also that's also really fun too. Yeah, like there are a few contributing factors that make Marauders so powerful right now. Number one was the change to Bastion, and the components of that are it's a 30-second timer, so you can decycle quickly, and 
you also have a massive bonus to your damage when you're in Bastion. The other component was the HP buff that all of the battleships got when they're fitting plates and shield extenders. Bastion in and of itself gives a bunch of self-rep bonuses, that's why you saw it used in PvE a lot, but this bonus for the battleships to the, the plate HP is what gives them enough tank to be able to survive that 30 seconds, even at a large-scale null-sec fleet fight. Yeah, because as far as I know, like in a lot of especially Munion fleets where like DPH is a main contributor to the damage, like I don't know if a Paladin will be able to survive, let's say, a full fleet of Munions just one-shotting type of thing. So the the Tech Three battleships, they not in non-Bastion mode. They're still a battleship, right? They still do the battleship damage, or do they do significantly less than a regular battleship in non-Bastion mode? They don't, right? They're just better all around. Yeah, they're just better all around. It's like a Napoc when it's not in Bastion, I think is a good way to put it. I like Apocs. Yeah, but those fleas are really expensive as well. <laughs> just, just think about it. <laughs> like These no pores allowed, Shin. What? I said <laughs> no, no, pour, no pores allowed. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, each of them is, like, what, 2 billion plus, I'm assuming, with, like, faction dead space stuff on it? I would, I don't know if oh, you, so, I don't know if Horde is doing faction dead space fits, but, I mean, if they did, yes, they can get extremely expensive. I mean, not, like, like a type of thing, but, like, it's just, like, faction plates, but, like, and then some, I don't know, like, dead space, like, resist, like, A-type explosive clothing question mark the hall itself is going for around a bill i do know because it was mentioned in the pings that like there's obviously some subsidies going on at least on the horde side of things where they aren't selling them on market and you you dm people to get yours i don't know if that's how they're doing it in pl as well rain but like theoretically hall plus fit you could do it for 1.2 bill if you have some subsidies there but it's just when you're talking about the amount of HP these ships have, what the small percentage increase in resistances that Dead Space Hardeners give you, or even faction plates, like that is hugely meaningful when you're talking percents increases to hundreds of thousands of hit points. And Array in chat also made a good point that the adjustment to Siege Green, rolling back part of that reduction in overall resistance bonuses, also is a contributing factor to just how good these ships are right now. Yeah, they're super yeah. good. And PL, as far as I'm aware, so I fly Logi, so I never really pay attention to price. But for PL, I think the person buys it. And if you die in some like, like if you're on a fleet and like FC makes a terrible call, usually it's headliners. I've seen fleets where he straight up is like, hey, just send me your kill mail or your lost mails. I'll reimburse you 100%. And so I don't know if that's true for all PL fleets, like if we're just going to be going out losing fleets of paladins or if it's, that was just like a one-off situation. But I know, I know if, initially with PL, you usually almost always buy the first ship, and then a lot of times it's covered by some sort of SRP. Yeah, well, I can imagine, like, dropping Hogwarts Dreads on them, like, at least Esquires are really efficient, because, like, essentially, obviously two of them can just, it's the same price as a Dread, essentially, right? The fitted ones. So, dropping, like, at least Hogwarts Dreads, I think maybe a a very tempting thing, I would say, to to do those padding fleets. You don't have to do Hadreds because they're battleships and because they, when right. they go on the Bastion, they don't yeah. move. I mean, assuming you're shooting the ones in Bastion, you should be able to hit them with just a cap dread because they're stationary and they're big anyway. 
Right, that's a good point, right? Because cap dress have like at least on paper much much higher damage compared to Howard dress. Yeah, and this is this is obviously assuming that you're able to sit still and shoot them. And it's assuming you're not using a phoenix. Rip. <laughs> yeah, that too. Rip missiles. I mean, the other thing that comes to mind then is going to be carriers. Carriers, their fighters used to be exceptionally good at hitting small ships. That was thankfully nerfed. So now they're only really good at hitting battleships. We just saw them be super effective in that battle report we were versus an APOC fleet. I think they would also be good against marauders, except for all of the utility highs. You have so many utility high slots in your marauder fleet, you can fit so many smart bombs. I think it would be very easy to defang a fighter group. Yeah, well, like normal light fighters, I don't think the damage change much on uh, on battleships if they're stationary or not. But like like anti cap fighters on supers, I think they count the same thing as missiles, where they use it like the main damage source comes from the torpedoes, right? Where those those anti cap fighters, I mean. Mm -hmm. So like the signature radius is the same as a battleship; it's, they're just not moving. So. I don't know if like anti-cap fighters will have much contribution to the damage, the difference in, in damage. I'm not thinking that like Bastion makes them exceptionally susceptible. I'm thinking that previously we were in hacks online. Now Marauders are putting a battleship-sized target on the field of battle, which is a potential meal for a carrier fleet if flown properly. Does Bastion mode change the radius? It does not, no. No, oh, they changed the mass, but not the signature radius. I believe they just can't move, so they're very stationary and easy yeah. to shoot. Or you like move a thousand and then just hit your bastion, you're still gonna like drip like at least another like kilometer. Yeah, is that the big micro strategy or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, beforehand, like we this is some like battleship fleets as well, right? Some very noticeable ones, APOG, the, the Beltec fleets from Imperium. Macarial fleets are very popular, or like in the past and right, even still now. We were seeing less nightmares, I would say, but like Macarials are still being used nowadays. And TFIs, APOC Navy, all those ships are still being used nowadays. I really want to know more about the CEO's doctrine and why it's getting used because I just love this. I mean, I don't understand fun. why, but it's, yeah. it's amazing. Like on a keep start before we're about to jump in, you see all those batteries. It looks super good. <laughs> it looks super sick on the keep start. Especially everyone just hoard up together, just right beside the the Titan, ready to jump in. It looks super good. Eoses are really good because you don't have to anchor or anything. So I've seen them when we do structure bashes in PL. We'll warp and we'll warp in like the square, and then you just drop sentries and shoot. And then a lot of times the structure will try to shoot the sentries, right? Because it's easier to kill a drone than it is an EOS, like with bombs or whatever. And so then you can just keep your sentries, wait until the bomb goes off, and then drop them again. That's what I've seen. These are dank, dank What PLs. size on the EOS is a drone bay? It's oh, 125. So it's enough for five, five sentries? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that's just what I've seen. I mean, this is... It's not news. I'm sorry for all those just now realizing how much fun EOSs are, Artemis. <laughs> well, it's, it's you a don't lot of fun, see though. them very often. Like, I have known the EOS in a PvE setting or in, like, a... as a command ship for a smaller fleet setting. Not in terms of, a, of an all-sec fleet fight setting, which is where it's so exciting. We saw Try using them a little bit last year when they were fighting against Fireco, I think. 
down in, in the Pravi area and such, or it was down in the same area of space. We saw Triumvirate using them, so I was excited yeah. back then, too. Yeah, command ships are good, too. So we talked a lot about, what was it, the siege green changes and whatnot. So battle cruisers, did I say battleships? No, command ships. So they got a little bit of a tank, tank buff, too. The good thing about them as well is because they're command ships, you don't know who the links are. You can maybe assume the person FCing is probably in the link ship, but otherwise, if you're like, oh, we got to get their armor links off the grid, it's like, okay, which guy is that? Like, unless you have some nerd sitting there scrolled in looking at everyone to figure it out, you can't really figure, you can't really tell. So that's or why. All, or they all may have links on them. Who knows? Yeah, yeah or that. Yeah. yeah, that's true yeah. too. That's similar to a Ferox fleet, where like almost everyone has just a link to it. Yeah. That's Maxime makes a comment in chat about command ships are longer to skill into. It's a high SP doctrine. I think everything is a high SP doctrine nowadays. Like you've got command ships, you've got marauders. Oh yeah, com com compared to the uh, command ship to marauder, we have to like T2 guns, the ship itself to level five, usually marauder three or four. That takes a lot longer than a command ship, I would say. Oh gosh, it pains me to hear that people are flying marauders with marauder three. No sec fleet fights that make me sad. <laughs> I mean, I would say if you live in Zhongland, like getting Marauders for PvE, like you're, you're gonna, if you have the same skill for PvE, if you just transfer that to PvP, or not even just, just use the same skills, there's not much of a train new skill type of thing. It's just the same thing you had beforehand. This is true, yeah. It, yeah, it's just a price, you know, like two bill. <laughs> or like 1.5, 1.2 bill per ship per hull yeah. per hull yeah no sometimes i'm assuming they will be cheaper you know it's like with like massive amount of moon and stuff like that and also Hold up. oh sorry go on Shin. what's the last one what's the dan demo reno what is that that's just demos oh that's demos like zealous demos is yeah so the only thing i noticed too so in goblin's ping we're talking about the cap fights one of the bottom ping or the bottom note of the goals developing new strat up and super cap fcs you cannot develop a super cap fc if you're not dropping super caps that means pretty much guarantee we're going to see him unless imperium doesn't drop him mm, okay you make a good point or he's trying to make us think they're going to bring him and just trick us that's that exciting super <laughs> weird like strat i don't know <laughs> rope a dope Oh, we don't don't we don't want to launch our supers because they got theirs down here now, so we're not going to use them. I mean, I guess that also goes back to the point of when you're the defenders. If you're defending your own Keepstar or your own Fortazar, you can relatively safely pre-stage your supers there, and then Sino jam the system, and now you're set up where you can use supers and the enemies can't. This was like the the tactic, the the deciding factor of how fights went in, in wars in the past. So if they can stabilize iHub losses so that those Sino Jammers actually stay up, then you could spin up Super Cap FCs just in the defense of iHub timers or in the defense of particular Citadels without having to worry about getting counter-dropped. Well, at that point, is it really like a cap super cap fight or is it just like one-sided thing? I mean, I think the, the key part with supers and capitals is that there's just so much going on beyond the actual shot calling in the fight. 
and that's a big part of of fleet command when you get to these higher end doctrines is the coordinating with your subcap fleets and do you have the support have you prepped the space appropriately does your fleet have what they need like are you using your tactics and positioning correctly there there are so many individual things beyond just what is the correct target to shot call whether you're fighting supers or subcaps or capitals so you can practice all of that setup as though you could potentially get dropped because that's what you should do anyway even if you think you're safe as prep for it but you aren't necessarily running the risk of these newer fcs actually being put in the hot seat i mean at the end of the ping right at the the goblins ping it does say right like that asher is become like it's the ceo right now so potentially right uh, as i said there'll be more stuff happening for sure I'm, and I'm we even saw we even saw asher in a monitor in this fleet fight that just happened like he was there i don't know if he was fcing or, or was there to, to oh, be... i mean if you're in monitor probably yeah i don't know do you just like sometimes show up in a monitor to a fleet fight so you can make sure to be there and get footage the whole time like that's a thing it could be bait too. Yeah, I don't know if it's a thing, but yeah. What, what it's we're a thing in my heart. Is it in your heart? Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like weird. wheeling it's like wheeling the emperor around in what are those like carriage things where they have this the people carried on their shoulders? Somebody help me out here. Uh, it starts with a P. It starts with a P. We would get executed just on the spot with our lack of knowledge of how to properly care for our Imperial overlords. Oh, you're right. We would be executed, and we deserve it. Yeah. Well, one one thing though with more monitors, like you you don't know which one to web as a Hugen pilot. It's like five monitors. It's just like okay, I'm going to choose this one to web, and then you know, the next thing you know, everyone else is the anchor, not that person. Oh, I used to do that. Like even before monitors existed, I would bring multiple alts for my FC, and then oh, if one of them got webs then okay everybody swap to this other anchor like you have secondary tertiary and so on forth anchors and then of course you get to yell at the bads in fleet who don't adjust when you tell them to and it's a whole thing i mean like uh, monitor solved the problem of headshotting but it doesn't solve the problem of getting webbed as your anchor so there has been a lot of there's going to be other plans for webs that like that's one of the only things that's like stopping the monitor one is web one is like scram one with the other Oh my god, Araya mentioning the, the Imperium Viceroy program that I'm joining and payments must happen on August 16th. Like, if, if Asher comes in and decides to start up the Viceroy program again, that would be hilarious. For those unfamiliar, this is a thing that, like, sort of kicked off World War B1 when the Imperium was super powerful god kings of the game. And so, like, you know what? Nullsec isn't good enough for us now. We're going to come in and control Losec and all of the moons, and if you want to live there, you're going to have to pay us money. At least this is the narrative. And so Losec was not happy with this, and you had Snuff and Shadow Cartel like actually working together, flying joint Macarial fleets to fight them off, and it was just a hilarious time that did not go well. Disaster. Disaster. <laughs> Highly successful, that's funny. Alright, we have gone very off-topic from the war. Are there final thoughts we want to hit? I'm good. I want to hear Dom and Shen's final thoughts. Go ahead, Shen. All right. Okay. I would say, like, I'm very looking forward after uh, Horde deploys that a lot more fights and and not just like 
one-sided like you win the i have or i win i have double thing is like they're actually like fights and enjoyable fights as well hopefully ccp buff the servers to the point where i actually have like a lot of people on, on each side to fight each other yeah like it's gonna be very very interesting in the future after horde deployed yeah i mean we've got 21 timers coming up most of them in faith of Ballas. some in scalding pass which is surprising to me is that related to the war is scalding pass fire coast base uh, i'm not sure i assume so yeah let's see that's right there valkyrie severance yeah no this is fire oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fire Coast. yeah my shout out about the war is I hope it continues. I hope it escalates. I'm having a good. This is why I came back to Eve. I love playing this game for the combat. You know, I just this is what I like about it. I'm I'm super happy. This looks like a lot. When you're on the attack, it's a lot more fun. So, it's we're gonna have a good time. I don't have any final thoughts. I hope we get to see a super cap war though, or a super cap fight. I'm gonna jump in and feed if we do. Give me a couple more rain kill mails and be happy. What? What? I'll, I'll I'll look for that on my overview. <laughs> I'm not telling you guys my alt's names. Heck that. <laughs> it's not something like Rain Tech Cap Alt. <laughs> Rain Capitals. <laughs> I, I'll bet Don knows them, so I'll find out. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts, Artemis? You kind of changed to a not. host. I'm sorry. I get super excited when we get to talk about wars. No, it's all good. I'm glad I'm glad I could at least provide some perspective since we don't have PanFam here, but maybe we can invite someone from Fire PanFam next week. Or whenever something crazy kicks off in the war. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll keep keep folks updated, keep the chat updated with uh, War in the South as well as the War in the North. War in the North is kind of slowed down. Tomorrow we actually get to I think there's a couple dev blogs coming out tomorrow. One of them should be the rules for the Alliance tournament. So we should hopefully see lots of folks there. Pretty excited. Hopefully that prize structure with that. So we can talk about prizes. But yeah, otherwise, we'll see everyone Sunday and or next week, Monday. <laughs>